This episode of Entirely the Right Sort of Podcast contains, of course, spoilers for Patrick Rothfuss's The Kingkiller Chronicle. That is an author and a series that I am not affiliated with. I am just a fan, so please don't sue me. Also, this episode will contain what some might call explicit content. So if you've got the kids around, don't have them around for this. Listen to it at another time when you feel like hearing explicit content. Because if you missed the NASA announcement earlier this week, the moon is wet. She's, she's wet, folks. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, you become obsessed with it and follow it and then play beguiling music on the flute and then the moon comes down and she's naked and you ask her for a touch of her hand and she gives it to you and then you ask for a kiss and she gives it to you and then you ask her for her name and she decides that she wants to fuck and then she's like no and she gives you her name but then you don't catch the whole name in your magic box and thus the moon is split between the mortal and the fae i don't really know how i kept that going that long welcome back to entirely the right sort of podcast the podcast where i talk about characters from the Kingkiller chronicle by mr patrick rothfuss who according to his editor has not written anything in a while so that's just you know something to sober us up because i'm already having too much fun this episode my name is rj which stands for robot jobs because you know robots have jobs as you may have guessed from that ridiculous intro i'm talking about a character today or rather a celestial being whom we've all seen or heard of or know of called the moon and all the lore around Hespa's story, all the lore that Fullerian tells Quoth, and everything else we know about the moon, because that is another huge discussion topic in the Kingkiller Chronicle. Also, as I alluded to up top, there's going to be some explicit content, because the more I think about it, the more there needs to be explicit content. I mean, the moon was naked, and she was, like, ready to fuck. Like, the moon was, like, one body. The moon was, like, ready for it. So before we get into all that moon goodness, first I want to say I have messed a little bit with the equalizer on my podcast editing, but I know that there's probably some like white noise and some background, so I apologize for that. I am literally recording this from my parents' basement. Not ideal, but ideal. Let's get into seven things. Seven is such an important number in the Chronicler. Seven things we know about the moon. Number one, in Hespa's story, the moon's true name, the one she tells Jax, is Ludus. Number two, Felorian says there was some hope for peace between the knowers and the shapers before, quote, he stole the moon. Number three, Quoth had not heard this story before Hespa told it. Number four, when the moon is full in the mortal world, mortal is closer to fey, and it is easier for fey beings to come into mortal. Number five, the phases of the moon are painted around the figure of Haliax on the pottery found in the Mothin farm. Number six, Ari seems uncomfortable going out on top of things, as she says, when the moon is out. And number seven, a night with no moon 
is one of the things all wise men fear. Florian says it is easier for mortals to slip into Fae on nights like this. So the moon as a lump of celestial rock is mentioned many times in the Kingkiller Chronicle, but we don't hear Hespa's story of Jax and Ludus until about halfway through Wise Man's Fear where they're in the Eld. Now this story on its face seems to be kind of, you know, just another piece of mythology to explain why things happen. As Aloden asks, well, where does the moon go when it is no longer in our sky? There are a number of stories in real-world myths that answer these questions. For example, why do crops die and why does it get colder at the end of the year? Well, Greek mythology would tell us because Hades stole Demeter's daughter Persephone and tricked her into staying with him for part of the year. Why does the sun disappear each day? Well, according to Egyptian legend, the god Ra transports it daily across the sky and then lights the underworld at night. What is lightning? Well, the Norse would tell you it's the god Thor protecting his people. Hespa's story is one of love at first sight, of carelessness, and of obsession. Jax first sees the moon when he puts on the glasses and decides to walk for undetermined miles and days before he's finally able to call her. And when he does, he begs her to stay with him before trapping her name, apparently not realizing or not caring about the consequences of her disappearing from the sky. At first, Foth thinks this is only a story, another myth. But when he's in Fae, Felorian confirms it. Someone did steal the moon, and quote, with it came the war, but she won't speak this person's name. Bass calls this man Ajax when they're talking later in the Waystone, which of course sounds very similar to Jax. Clearly, the story we and Quoth hear from Hespa describes something that must have really happened, but I think we can assume the exact details are different. I think it's probable that the moon is not actually a beautiful naked woman, and the story Hespa tells is one of the world-building stories, world-building, so common in mythology. The truth, as we glean from Felorian, is darker. I also think it's interesting that Quoth has not heard the story before Hespa tells the bandit hunting group around the fire. It's certainly good timing, as he can ask Felorian about it shortly in the Fae. Even though the Edema Ru know all the stories in the world, I suppose Quoth is bound to find a few every now and then he hasn't heard, as he alludes to when he hears Hespa tell it. Perhaps this is a vintage story, or perhaps Hespa's family somehow is connected to it, which... I think is a bit far-fetched since we don't really know much about her or anyone with Quoth except for Tempe. And, and the story of the moon comes in the back half of the book, one of the only major world-building stories we actually get in Wise Man's Fear. We get a Taberlin story from Martin, Quoth tells the story about Skiop and the Rue, and of course there's the story of the boy with the golden screw in his belly. But unless I'm missing something, this is the first really huge story we get in Wise Man's Fear. And of course, after that, we get some very key information in Edemre. The story also recalls the idea of personifying something we generally think of as non-human. A fire, a stone, the wind. From the details we get from Felorian, we know there was no separation between the Fae and the mortal before Ajax slash Jax stole the moon. There was just one moon, and the powerful beings Felorian spoke of, singers, shapers, namers, knowers, and possibly listeners. I think it's very safe to assume that the house Jax builds in Hespa's story is supposed to represent the Fae, where the moon has to return to when Jax calls for her. 
This story, of course, brings up a lot of questions. So I hope you're ready for them. Now, I've spent many an hour, many, many, many an hour in the Kinkiller fan communities and can report and kind of see that there are people who say there are similarities to Jackson to Quoth. So if we're going to take these similarities to heart, we have to ask the question, what is Quoth chasing? And even more important, if he catches it, is it going to have as catastrophic of an effect as Jack stealing the moon? I think the easiest and possibly most thought of answer is that it's Denna. There are already similarities between Denna and the moon. Quoth seems to fall for her as soon as he meets her. He doesn't know her true name, but in the Aeolian, when they meet after singing the song of Sabian and Aeloween, she does tell her, excuse me, she does tell him that her name is Diane, which is pretty damn close to Diana, the Roman goddess of the moon. But he doesn't call her that. He calls her Denna. And Quoth seems to look for her endlessly at times, but I would point out that a key difference is that Denna also seems to be looking for Quoth. The relationship between Jax and Ludus is much more one-sided. So here's another question. Why did Ajax steal the moon in the first place? Because we assume this is the real story. We hear Ajax described as both a shaper, the first and greatest of the shapers, and a namer, one of the ones as powerful as Aleph, Selitos, and Lyra in the Chronicle. And knowers and shapers are both factions of namers. Now we have the story of why Jax stole the moon, but not Ajax. And again, this is the same dude, just a different representation of his story. And we don't know much about Ajax, but he is among those who Felorian said were proud dreamers. Again, she doesn't say his name, but we can assume that it's him because she says he was the greatest of them. The shapers knew the deep names of things, and they sought mastery over them, and they sought to change things. The knowers begged them to stop, and they chastised the shapers, the greatest of whom, Felorian said, wrought the fay from whole cloth, a place where they could do as they desired. Felorian says the shapers each wrought a star in the sky, but the greatest of shapers, whom, again, she will not name, is, beyond the, is behind the doors of stone. He was not satisfied with his star and thus sought to pull the moon from his home, thus beginning the creation war. So in Felorian's eyes, perhaps the true telling of the story, because, you know, she was there, she's old AF, Ajax pulled the moon, it seems like, because he could, because he wanted to show his power. It doesn't seem there was any kind of love or any kind of passion here besides power and being great. So even though it's seemingly a simple answer. It works for me. Now, another interesting question, because we're always looking for similarities, always looking for allegories. Who is the man that Jax spoke to in Hespa's story? Not the tinker, but the old man barefoot at the mouth of the cave. Now, I used to think that maybe this represented Tecum, the philosopher teacher, but I think that that's only because we get one description of Tecum, again, barefoot at the mouth of the cave. But the more I think about it, I think the man represents Cathay. Because Bass says that Ajax spoke to Cathay before he stole the moon, by process kind of of elimination. If we're looking for a big person in the world, this means the old man is the Cathay. But again, it's possible the details have kind of changed in the mortal world. Now, the man, 
I believe could be Cathay, whoever Cathay was, because he does give Jack's knowledge, not necessarily advice, just kind of tells him what is, tells him what the objects are, tells him how he's going to be able to find the moon. And he clearly knows a lot about naming and the moon itself. The old man is isolated from the rest of society, and he describes himself as simply a listener. This is a bit different to what Cathay says of itself to Quoth when it says, quote, I am, I see, at times I speak. But there is no denying that the old man's words and his knowledge of what's in the third pack and of the moon itself would definitely lead to Jack's figuring out the final stages of wooing the moon. Now, on the subject that we don't really see the moon mentioned in the frame story in the Waystone, this of course would mean that mortal is closer to Fae. Now, there's some mention of moonlight in Wise Man's Fear. Actually, the second day, at the very end, there's a mention of dim moonlight when Chronicler is coming to Bast's room. Now, uh, the reason I think people talk about the moon being gone in the frame story is because of Quoth's promise that he will not try to uncover Dennis' patron, and he swears it by the ever-moving moon, which is something I believe Elodin, Bast, and Felorian all make a promise by. It's reasonable to argue in the frame story that maybe the moon is gone, because when Quoth says this, he says, I swear it on my name and my power. I swear it by my good left hand. I swear it by the ever-moving moon. Now, in the frame, it doesn't seem like Quoth has his name or his power. There's something wrong with one of his hands, maybe the left, and if we don't see the moon in the frame, it's all but confirmation that Quoth broke his promise to Denna. So even though there is a small mention of moonlight in Wise Man's Fear, it does seem the moon isn't around, at least while Quoth is telling his story to Chronicler. Perhaps the disruption of the moon's normal cycle is one of those things Quoth feels so guilty about, though I'm more inclined to believe that the current war has to do with the killed king, not the moon. Also, I would posit that if the moon was truly gone and not just taking her sweet time with a 72-day rotation, we'd hear about it from the townsfolk. Wouldn't someone mention the moon being gone in all their conversations? It's a small point, but I'm sticking to it. Folks, I'm sure there is a lot more moon theorizing to do, and I would love to hear your theories because my inbox is pretty empty and I would love to do a mailbag episode sometime in the future. So if I missed anything here or missed anything in any of my previous episodes, which I'm sure I did, send me a nice little letter, etrsop at gmail.com. Thank you all for your patience as I got this episode together. I know it's been a long time. I hope everyone's doing well. Hope you're happy and healthy and that you're looking forward to this holiday season, whatever it's going to look like. Until next time, may all your stories be glad ones and your roads be smooth and short. <laughs>